McKinsey Talks Podcast. Hello, good morning, welcome. I'm Denise Barbosa and this is the McKinsey Talk Talks. Today's session will be had in English, but I'll go through a quick introduction in Portuguese. So, bom dia a todos, sejam muito bem-vindos. Esse é o McKinsey Talks. A sessão de hoje vai ser toda em inglês, mas eu vou aqui fazer uma introdução rapidinho em português para o público brasileiro. A gente vai estar falando sobre gestão de crise e trazer perspectivas, fatos relevantes e análises de especialistas no mundo todo. É isso que a gente tem feito todos os dias aqui no McKinsey Talks, análise sobre como reagir a esse momento de crise tão grave mundo afora. Como eu falei, o episódio de hoje vai ser feito em inglês, porque a gente tem um convidado, dois convidados internacionais e pessoas do mundo todo nos assistindo também. No episódio de hoje, a gente vai ver perspectivas da indústria automotiva global, como eles estão encarando, enfrentando esse momento de crise, planos e estratégias de recuperação e como isso se aplica à América do Sul e ao Brasil. Nossos convidados são Lyle Waters, que é CEO da Ford América do Sul, o Hans Werner Kass, que é sócio sênior da McKinsey em Detroit, nos Estados Unidos, e o Roberto Fantoni, que é sócio sênior da McKinsey no Brasil. Agora eu vou passar a palavra para o Fantoni, que vai ser o nosso é, o apresentador de hoje. Fantoni, good morning. Let's get started. Thank you, Denise. Thank you. I'm Roberto Fantoni. Good morning and welcome to our McKinsey Talks. It is an honor and a pleasure to have both Lyle and Hans Werner as our guests today. Lyle will participate in the first half of our conversation discussing the implications of the crisis to the auto industry. And then in the second half, Hans Werner and I will we'll discuss the implications of the current context to other segments of the advanced industries. Yeah, Lyle, big thanks also from my side for sharing your thoughts today. It's uh, great to have you with us. Thank you. Um, this is first and foremost, a huge human humanitarian challenge with be deep business implications. Lyle, maybe you can share with us your background and experience leading Ford South America's reaction to the crisis. Roberto and Hans Werner, it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to chat with you this morning and uh, I think just interact with so many business leaders, primarily in Brazil, but uh, I know there are others dialing in from, from around the world. So I'm currently uh, working as president of Ford Motor Company for the South America region. Um, effective May 1st, some of those responsibilities will expand uh, to some other international markets for, uh, for Ford. But I've worked with Ford for over 32 years, mainly in Europe. Um, but also in the US and Brazil, in fact, uh, on two occasions. And I spent most of my career in finance uh, and strategy. I've served as CFO uh, in both South America and Europe in, uh, in previous roles. So I've, I've seen many challenging situations over the years, um, but there's no doubt this is an unprecedented crisis. In fact, it's the worst worldwide public health crisis for a generation. Uh, with a dynamic that um, I certainly have never seen before. And it's taking, and you alluded to this in your introduction, you know, it's taking a huge personal toll on, on many individuals and their families, and it's having a significant impact on the economy too. And I suspect it may be quite a few weeks yet um, before we're, we get to seeing the peak uh, of the crisis in Brazil. And so as you can imagine, my priorities uh, uh, right now um, have changed slightly. 
uh, to become very focused. <clears throat> but first and foremost, we're going to do everything possible, I think, to protect our thousands of employees in the region uh, and our valued customers. And we're taking actions to make sure we limit the spread of the virus. Social distancing is essential, really essential, I think, for all of us. Um, and we are, we're certainly in forward putting our people first. Now, of course, we've temporarily stopped production in the region. Um, and it's going to take a few more weeks before we're operational again. But we have to service our customers that have vehicles. And so our parts depots are open and we're doing everything possible to support the emergency services um, and those in critical need to make sure they get the parts they need. But many of our you know, administrative employees, in fact, all of our administrative employees, apart from the few I just mentioned uh, in the aftermarket, are working from home like me. And cash flow is a significant issue right now. Um, it's a huge area of focus. Even the auto industry is down you know, almost 90% year over year. Um, and borrowing costs have increased significantly, uh, which is another issue, not just for the OEMs, but also for the, uh, for the auto industry. But we're spending a lot of time planning for the return to work. And, when we do, I just want to make absolutely sure that our workplace, our dealerships, our safe environments um, for employees and for our customers. And we're spending a lot of time at the moment working on processes to ensure that happens. We also launched um, an end-to-end -to 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 -end online digital purchasing platform uh, with a safe home delivery system. So important. And there are those who do want to transact at the moment, and we want to be sure we're there uh, to serve those customers. Um, but we also got to make sure that a crisis like this doesn't pass us by without uh, thinking deeply about the business, about how the business is structured um, and how customer behavior may change as a result of this, because change, I believe, it will. And this is a real opportunity for us to be creative, I think you can use this time uh, to generate ideas uh, during, during the crisis. So Roberto, I'll pause there and um, uh, maybe just open it for questions. Thank you, thank you. Ford's structured and coherent approach to a challenge of this magnitude is certainly, is, is certainly an inspiration to, to all of us. That the whole, the, the whole set of circumstances that we are going through have changed your agenda of priorities. Can you change the, the, the front two, the things that you do and the things that you have been prioritized as a senior executive? First and foremost, as I mentioned, we've got to protect our employees. That's, that's paramount. Um, and that will continue during the startup. And I can get into that a little bit more detail later if, if, you, if you'd like. But we also have to deal with the economic realities, you know, including the severe cash burn um, for the moment. And that's just not for sales, it's for all of those in the value chain. And it's really important we remember that. There is this supply base, there are also our dealers, there are others in that supply chain. We've got to make sure that they have a viable business so that when uh, the comeback happens, which it will, they can all start up and that we can serve our customers. So I think understanding that value chain is critical um, but cash is king right now. 
that you have just made of the, the need to think about the long-term viability of the industry and the health of the whole supply chain. Can you comment on, you mentioned a number of things that have changed the, the, the short term, but I imagine that before the crisis, you were spending most of your time actually thinking about long-term issues and strategy for the, for the future. How, how do you think about that, the short versus the long-term as we speak? That's a great one. You know, I should have mentioned earlier here as well that, you know, one of the things even before we get into the long term is that we've got to be a lot more frugal right now than ever on expenditures. Um, only spend what is absolutely essential, um, what's required for the rebound. Uh, the nice to haves don't make the cut. And um, I think as Hans Werner mentioned to me on several occasions, you know, now is the time to go into hibernation mode. Uh, on uh, on costs, and I think at the same time we've got to look outside and take learnings from wherever we can. We're fortunate enough, in one sense, to have gone through this crisis in China, and so we're looking inside as well to our learnings there, uh, and we're picking up those experiences for when we get into the uh, to the comeback. Now, specifically on your question about prioritization, obviously the 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 you know the pre COVID-19, I would, I think, try to spend about 80%, um, sorry, maybe more like 50-50 of my time from the sh short near term to the long term. Um, today, it's more like 80% of my time on the short term. Um, but I would, I would put a word of caution in there. And I think we, we all have to be very careful about the, that the immediacy of the issues today don't consume us at a time like this. Um, you know, if others are like me and some, you know, you, we all, we all sometimes get, um, you know, a feel good when we're able to get in and firefight and solve those near term issues. But as leaders, we also got to make sure that we step back, that we're driving the governance and that we're not just looking short term. We are looking for that comeback and, uh, we're dealing with what the, we believe the market realities will be when that happens. Knowing, knowing you a bit, I know that you spent some time and some uh, share of your, your thinking time to, to build a, a great senior leadership team. Can you comment on, on, on how you're dealing with that now that everyone is working from home? How do you keep your team on one hand developing and, and on the other hand coherent and coordinated against the priorities that you just described? Yeah. Well, We've got to protect our talent at a time like this. That's important. Um, but we also got to have a regular um, disciplined cadence, you know, where we're connecting with our, with our team. So I would say over communicating at the moment is a good thing, making sure we're staying close, connected, coordinated. And for a company like Ford, we must do that globally as well as locally. So I'm spending, uh, and that's my next meeting in fact, significant portion of our time connecting globally, picking up the learnings um, and doing the same, doing the same locally with our teams and doing what we're doing here, sometimes having the camera switched on as uncomfortable as it may feel in the beginning is a good thing because I think it helps people feel connected. And it is important too, you know, we're all humans. It's important that we do reach out to people, just check in, see how you're doing. That connection point uh, is really important because a lot of people out there today are missing the, the human interaction. 
that, that we all have come and gotten used to uh, at work. You mentioned a few times the, the, the point around employees and the, the need for connection. How, how do you engage and, and protect your, your, your employees in, in a times like this? Well, I think the first thing is, as we're doing, we've got to make sure our employees are safe. Um, uh, the place we do that right now is at home. Um, so you know, our, our admin staff are working from home. And uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, when they do return to work, you know, we've got to make sure it's a safe environment. And so we're looking at a number, a number of things. Um, first, first is uh, we're trying to follow the data. So we're looking at the bell curves in each of the countries. You know, what are the number of incidents? Um, in fact, the number of fatalities per million. So we're following that curve. And we got to make sure, that, we will make sure that before we, we return to work, we are well down the right-hand side of that bell curve before we bring our teams to work. And that's a standard we're deploying um, around the world. The risk of coming back too early is too high. Um, and, and you can just imagine, you bring people back into a factory, into a facility, and uh, we bring them back too early, we can be back to square one very quickly. The second thing is, you know, um, uh, is really linked to customer demand. In the end, the customer will decide when we come back to work. This is all around you know, our employees, it's all linked. Uh, consumer confidence is dented at the moment, it will come back, but that's another factor uh, in terms of our timing. But in protecting our employees, we've got to make sure we have the right uh, standard of personal protective equipment. Uh, you know, things like thermometers, the masks, um, the face shields, whatever it may be. Um, and that's challenging right now in Brazil, as I'm sure many executives on this line will, will, will attest to. And rightfully so, the Brazilian government is prioritizing this for medical staff. Um, but we've got to keep an eye in parallel you know, on the, on the economy and make sure we're sourcing where we can uh, to, to get sufficient supplies. The other part of this is really around social distancing in the workplace, to your point on protection. When we come back, um, it's not going to be possible, I think, to bring everyone back at the same time. We're going to have to stage this and do it in phases to make sure we're respecting the social distancing uh, practices and keeping uh, and keeping people uh, people safe. And the other thing I'd say around protecting people at the moment, I don't know how others may feel on the line. We may hear in a second, but we tend to be in more meetings. We tend to be sitting much more at the moment. And so, I'm telling my team: make sure you find the time in the day to get out. You know, take a short walk within your controlled environment. But limited exercise is very important for both physical and, and mental well-being. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a question from the, from the audience related. You talk a lot about within the, what are you doing within Ford? And, and that, that's certainly inspiring. But people are asking, what, what type of contributions has Ford made to society as a whole and how you, you're contributing to com the communities where, where you work, not only here, in Sao Paulo, but also in Bahia, that you're doing so much. Yeah, that's a great one because you know it's so easy to become self-consumed at a time like this, and we only think about ourselves. But you know, we we all got to 
kind of step back at the moment and just recognize, I think, and pay tribute to the, the tremendous work that healthcare workers are doing uh, in Brazil, but also uh, around the world. Those people that are on the front line uh, treating people with uh, coronavirus. And uh, so, so I'd, I'd say that right up front. Um, but at Ford, and we're trying to do this around the world, do our part to help fight the pandemic. Obviously, um, you know, preventing the spread is number one. Um, but we did announce a couple of weeks ago in Brazil that you know, we'd produce initially 50,000 face shields uh, in Bahia, primarily, uh, that we'd make available to health professionals, try to get it onto the front line. And so we're, we're working at the moment, they're beginning to roll off uh, production. So we're trying to get those as quickly as we can to the front line, to the health departments, to the Red Cross. And just a couple of days ago, uh, Embrapi uh, teamed up with us, so we're going to produce a further 75,000. So it's great. Momentum is building. Uh, we're also working with the Red Cross. Uh, you know, we've taken our, our Rangers. I won't make a plug for product. It's not the right time, but you know, we've taken the Rangers, uh, a fleet of Rangers, we've given those to the Red Cross to help uh, teams with uh, logistics. Um, so I think there are a number of things, you know, there are a number of things that um, we are doing. We're also helping on financing for customers to give them a holiday for the first three months. And, you know, one need that's really come to the fore is, is ventilators. And we're seeing this around the world. And so we're, we're working with Sinai and a number of other uh, manufacturers to work on the repair of ventilators. There are vast quantities of ventilators uh, that are out of action and so uh, we're working as quickly as we can to, 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 to get those operational again to help keep, uh, keep people alive. Um, but you know we can never do enough and so I, I think it's something we've got to just continually keep working on and uh, continue to generate ideas but it's something that Ford has done helping the community for over a hundred years and uh, we're going to continue to build on that. There's a lot more happening around the world, but I, uh, I won't get into that here. Fantastic. That, that, that is wonderful. And thank you for, for, for doing all that. Maybe being, being a senior leader in, in, in an organization like, like Ford, can you, I'm, I'm sure that you have a lot to teach us in terms of how to communicate, not only internally, but also externally, one of the points that you mentioned is, is critical. Can you comment a bit on, on how to get the message out and, and be in touch with people? How do you do that? Well, I think part of it is engaging. It's what I, it's what I talked about earlier. It's, it's making sure we're you know, taking the time to connect with people, um, make sure we communicate. Um, there are only so many hours in the day uh, so, of course, we have to be as disciplined as possible. Uh, try to think about all of the stakeholders, as I mentioned. You know, are we taking the pulse of what's happening with our customers? Are we taking the pulse of what's happening with our dealers, uh, with our employees, with our suppliers? We've got to stay connected to all of that. But overriding that, um, you know, we've got to be sure that we're doing everything we can to help the communities as we go. I mentioned earlier we are not at the peak yet, I believe, in Brazil. That's going to take a few yeah. more weeks. So that means things probably will get worse, much worse, before they get better. So we have a huge responsibility there as leaders to do what we can to, uh, uh, to support it. Um, but the other thing, you know, I, you know, maybe just 
in summary here, the other part of this is it will pass. And as dark as some of this may look at the moment, and as constrained as we may be, um, you know, where it's limiting investments and other things, I mean, many things are paused at the moment, and they have to be uh, for very good reasons. These are unprecedented times. And if you think back in history, you know, many of our forefathers went through times that were much more difficult than this. We will come through it. And I would just say to everyone, keep an eye on the future, stay focused on that restart. It will come. And just use this opportunity to the best of your ability to prepare your business so that when you come back, you come back fighting fit. Fantastic. Fantastic. I could not agree more. And, and thank you very much for sharing those thoughts and, and experience with us. I believe we are running out of time. Uh, thank you very much, Lyle, once again, for sharing those experiences and, and thoughts and making the time to be here with us. Thank you. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. It's my pleasure. Thank you. V very well. I will turn now to, to Hans Werner for a few thoughts on, on, on related segments of the industry. We spoke a lot about the, the, the auto, auto industry in, in the region. I love now to, to, to shift our attention to other, other segments. Maybe Hans Werner, Lyle outlined a very well thought out crisis response in a large multinational in the automotive industry. How does that response compare with those observed in other segments of advanced industry space? Yeah, yeah. thank you, uh, Roberto, and also good morning from my side to, to all participants here. And again, first of all, I think a big thanks to Lyle because several of the lessons and experiences and practices he has described for Ford Motor Company, but also for the auto industry, they absolutely are very transferable to other segments of advanced industries, especially here in Brazil, whether you think about the industrial machinery segment, uh, certainly also aerospace and defense, which is also a relevant sector uh, in the Brazilian economy, or even other technology-based industries. The, the points I would like to highlight, in addition to what Lyle said, is really understanding the depth of your supply chain and value chain. And that is important both for managing in the crisis to help your business partners that can be tier one, tier two suppliers, but also if you think about the end towards the customers, your distribution partners, and understanding their needs and their financial strength and where you can synchronize planning and activities is critical. And not only for the crisis, also if you want to restart the business, which we have to think through already now and put our plans in place really in a very detailed manner is absolutely important because otherwise we lose opportunities. And it's not only about the business opportunities for a respective company. We always need to keep in mind that the fate of employees and their livelihoods is attached to how quickly and how safely, also how safely, we can restart the business and the value chain. And thinking through that is, is absolutely mission critical. It is not something which is a few weeks uh, out. We have to already do that now. The second point I would also highlight um, is really to think through the importance of talent. We always talk about preserving cash, make sure we have the right amount of cash to reoperate the value chain, restart. 
but as important as the human talent, both from the standpoint of protecting the health of our employees, but also how do you retain the talent and keep it engaged in a way where we work obviously more remotely with each other. And I think also Lyle made a few great suggestions. It's not only the formal interaction we have, sometimes many short calls and asking how folks feel and how they are doing, what type of help they might need, also on personal matters. I think that, that creates a fabric and a culture of belonging together. And if you wish, um, a family culture in, in each company, whether it's a privately held or a publicly held company, those are things which matter. But the preservation of talent is critical, and, and not only for office workers in the administration functions, but also for people in the factories and the production facilities and how we can actually come up with creative work models, whether that is an interesting way of furloughing people or reducing the work time or the work time amounts for everybody, and by that also avoiding layoffs. So you need to manage both the, call it, attention or retention of the employees while at the same time managing the financials. And I think that's a call to action for all leaders to be much more creative. Absolutely. That, 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 those are critical, very important points. Lyle, in, in, in his, in, in his uh, remarks, made a point about the, the, the impact on the supply chain of, of, of industries and, and how, how much some of the parts of that, that chain is, is suffering. Can you comment on, on how you can build the necessary resilience for the next phase of the crisis in the different steps of the chain? I think on the one hand, I will actually reactivate some good old thinking from a few years back, which was called early warning systems in strategic management or strategic planning. Um, and I, I think that is an important concept and more than a concept. Now, today we are dealing with the coronavirus crisis. And, and hopefully we can mitigate it uh, with all the public health actions and, and medical initiatives underway so that we can avoid a second wave coming back. But there will be other crises coming towards us, whether that could be natural disasters, that could be certain impact on certain supply chains, etc. And I think rethinking how we pick up early warning signals and lead indicators is critical, not only for the crisis we are dealing today, and, and let me also build the linkage now to your question, resilience management. Resilience, obviously, important for both individuals, but also for institutions, for companies, or any institution. The way I'm trying to think about um, resilience is along a few dimensions. It's not only resilience in financial matters. Yes, it is also that in terms of balance sheet strength, the cash reserves you have, how do you manage the cash? I think also resilience means understanding your value chain because you need to understand the economics of your suppliers or your distribution partners and how they're impacted. Without that understanding, they indeed could face significant challenges, which means we can never get new product or reactivated operations and product to our end customers. So resilience has a dimension of understanding the economics of your own business partners in the value chain. I think the third element I would emphasize is is your product range or your product portfolio. What are the products which are in the crisis more demanded or coming out of it than in quote unquote former normal times? 
And that is very important because the opportunity or the affordability of products and services by different customer segments will determine that. So understanding and segmenting, or you can call it rationalizing your demand and customer segments is also very critical to understand what you can do in terms of resilience. And I would say, finally, um, I would also offer that that supplier risk management is a critical piece. And it is more than understanding the economics, understanding the risks of your own suppliers they are exposed to. Because think about it, they are dependent on their own suppliers again. And in many cases, those are small and medium businesses which do not have the financial strength or often the sophistication of management approaches like larger companies and institutions. So that deep look into your value chain, I think, is what drives or defines resilience at the end of the day. Lyle mentioned that he thinks that the, we still have a few weeks before we see the worst of, of, of the crisis. Do you have thoughts on, on the outlook for, for the industry and, and how it will react to the crisis and, and how the recovery will look like? I'm, I'm happy to share my thoughts. Um, uh, first of all, I, I think that the very classical forecasting and outlook models, I think, will not work in the current situation because the recovery of the economy, be it a national economy or a local economy, and, and thereby the businesses attached to it, and certainly the global economy, because we still have significantly intertwined global value chains, will always depend to a large degree, at least on two big dimensions. The one is really how we contain the outbreak, mitigate it, and manage the medical side, the public health side, which also means how can we actually protect employees and people when they're engaging more again with each other while keeping certain amount of, of certainly of social or probably I like to frame it much more than physical distancing doesn't mean social distancing because we are now physically distant all of us here on the video call but we are socially in, in one crew trying to engage with each other so we need to first understand the medical dimension and then, then second obviously it is very important to think through consumer sentiment and consumer sentiment is the confidence of a consumer of any customer to start simply buying products and services again. And that will rely certainly or depend certainly on the medical and the public health dimension, but also what um, economic intervention programs a country, a region can deploy to help those which are, first of all, the most vulnerable among us, but also small and medium businesses, as I mentioned, and companies in different industry segments. And there are different type of impacts in the industry, whether you are in the travel business, in the hotel business, et cetera, or whether you are indeed in the advanced industry segments, which are providing obviously products and services to many different segments. So I think this is quite important before we come to any outlook. Now, if I would offer a few perspectives on outlook or rebound, um, I would say the following. It is on the one hand, um, very, very industry segment specific. But if I turn for a moment um, to Brazil and, and the South American market theater, there are indeed obviously strong economies in auto, industrial and machinery. And as we are talking about advanced industries this morning, and I think to operate our factories again, expand and build infrastructure, which will also create more employment in construction, in mining, is actually critical that we can rely on very sophisticated and capable suppliers in advanced industries. 
I think the Brazilian economy has great companies, both domestic companies, but also subsidiaries of international companies, which are critical to the rebound of the economy. So how to rework with them and how to think through the segments they are operating in will be very important. Um, even obviously you have lighthouse companies also in the aerospace and defense business and how to help them because they are critical if you literally take a midterm view, which we need to, to actually operate them. And then if I take a moment to, to really talk about um, automotive, which is such a global industry and certainly tiered, and you heard already what Lyle shared with us, obviously let us turn for a moment to China. Not to say that the recipes and what happened in China can be one-on-one -on -one copied to South America, North America, or Europe. But the, the business was down in China, the auto industry starting second half of January and almost all of February, 80, 90% were down the retail sales by end consumers and certainly by, by factory operations. But they did restart with safer operating procedures, both in the factories in the second half of March already, but also how the end customer can engage of, in terms of purchasing vehicles in dealerships. Because the, the, the rules we are developing and we are all learning at the same time of safe practices, physical distancing, social distancing, quote unquote, we need to learn how to customize and apply them for different type of engagements within, within groups of employees and factories or in dealerships, et cetera, wherever people interact. Because interaction is still important, but we need to make it safer than ever. And if you take that into account, I, I do feel we can look hopeful into the hopefully second half of the second quarter and a real rebound in the third quarter. Very hard to now to give percentage numbers. I know that everybody likes to have quantified perspectives, but you know, we have done our own forecast. Different other institutions have done their forecast. The auto industry will probably in Europe, North America, probably also in South America, if you look over the year, take easily a downward hit of 20%, 25%, could be 30%. But at the same time, um, I'm really thinking through how can we get that restart, the activation for the future going and how uh, quickly could we catch up uh, in the future while obviously making all precautionary steps and putting them in place right now. So let me pause here. That is my view, not holding the crystal ball here on how we might think the future could look like. But I'm hopeful that in this third quarter, in the fourth quarter, we should be on a good rebound and then going into a strong 2021. How do we take this opportunity to actually make a few changes that we needed to, to make before and, and, and now? Yeah. You, you know, thank you, Roberto. Obviously, um, any type of crisis um, always poses first and foremost immediate actions or reactions to preserve the, the health um, of the business, of the, of the employees, of the people. And the good part in that messaging, even though it's tough at the beginning, is that leaders are all forced in a more gentle or direct manner to rethink what is really needed in their business uh, to create value. Obviously, that is the quote-unquote most fundamental question any leader should ask any time while leading a business, a business unit, or a company. But what is really needed and value-added? And I think the crisis will force ourselves to think through that in a much more profound way. Because what is needed means there is value added generated for a customer, whether that's an external customer or it's an internal customer. And that, uh, call it 
decades-old, long-standing principle will probably be surfaced or will be surfaced significantly more. Whether you think about office functions, back offices, you think about your production facilities, your production lines, assembly lines, what is really creating value? I think the second point, what I think will be, um, in my view, uh, critical to rethink business is really how we operate in value chains. And, and value chains need to be reliable and predictable. And many value chains have turned global in the last you know, 10 to 15 years. It does not mean we, we need to reverse where business sense prevails or all global value chains, but we need to have predictability and reliability in supply chains and value chains. And that will force certainly that in some cases we might indeed shorten value chains, not that uh, the net total cost is actually not favorable for the business, that has to be favorable for the business, but also the service. But we may take certain different trade-offs into account compared to what we did five years ago. And I think the third thing I would emphasize um, what is gonna change is I think the way how we interact with customers. You heard Lyle talking about a digital online purchasing platform. Many auto companies or many automotive dealerships, retailers, um, have already even pre-crisis started around um, digital engagement and, and digital sales, even though in auto, the physical execution of the sale, the experience of driving a vehicle, et cetera, testing it is still critical. But what would it mean for a more efficient, time-reduced, more waste-free engagement with a customer? How can we make it more predictable, more convenient? How would indeed be engagement in safe practices, dropping off vehicles at home for test drives, picking them up again mean? Can we actually provide information online even more profoundly? Can we interact remotely with a sales agent and a customer in a more structured manner? There are, there are many ideas out there which I think in the month to come will really surface what will be valued and cherished by a customer and thereby it, it will prevail. So that customer engagement model, I would like to call it, I think that will profoundly change. And I, I picked a few auto examples. We could go through other examples and appliances. We could go through consumer goods. We could go indeed also through the business to business world, machinery. I mean, it applies for all different sectors. You talk with a lot of people, right? You meet a lot of people now virtually around the world. Can, can you share with us a bit of your observations of the personal habits that some of the, the leaders that interact with that interact with lately uh, have and are the most productive or most inspiring? Leadership style is a choice or a set of choices. Even though many books over many years have been written about great um, leadership styles, the way I would frame it is what I have seen in my personal interaction with, with leaders, CEOs, and in different industries over the last few weeks is Number one, there's always a real notion of empathy. And, and empathy <clears throat> has to be real. It has to be really asking for how somebody is doing, how families are doing, and meaning that you dedicate time to listen to the answer if you ask and how somebody is doing. Um, otherwise, empathy is, is much more, quote unquote, um, a surface concept, but not meant real or not authentic. I think that's point one. I think point two, what I've seen in leaders um, is that point around resilience, which is true, and we talked about it for businesses already, 
but resilience for individuals. What, what does it mean when you feel pressure, um, anxiety, or the colleagues you're working with? How do you come up with the mechanisms to deal with it and frankly rethink how you can get out of your situation? How you can create a, you know, a plan or in, in, in emotional terms, it might say create hope and a much better outlook. And I think that is really critical to show resilience and actually role model it to your employees and people and, and brainstorm and develop solutions with them. And I think third, I, I would always say uh, what I've seen with leaders engaging is their extreme form of adjustability. Um, and adjustability because every day brings new challenges which we could not have foreseen a day ago or two days ago. So adjustability and being fast how to come up with a different way of dealing with a problem, with a business problem, with a problem among employees, I think is critical. So I, I would say, Roberto, when I think about it, summarize it in my own terms, empathy, uh, resilience, um, adjustability, which also includes creativity, is very, very important. Those were the, the few hallmarks I have observed when engaging with, with leaders in the last few weeks. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave everyone with those three traits that I, all, I also agree with Hans Werner are, are actually critical. The, the notion of empathy with others, the notion of resilience, and, and finally the notion of flexibility adapted to these uncertain times. So I think we are running out of time. Thank you very much, Hans Werner. This has been a pleasure to, to chat here with you today. I think you have been very insightful and and thank you for everyone that joined us uh, this morning here denise thank you Roberto. all the best for everybody i'd like to thank you all for spent uh the last four, 45 minutes uh those of who, who spent the last 45 minutes with us it was a pleasure thank you very much for the full schedule of mckinsey talks next week visit www.mckinseytalks.com there you can watch previous episodes and today's episode too. You find also access to the audio versions available on Spotify. So now I'm going to switch back to Portuguese. Muito obrigada a todos pela companhia. Nossa sessão na segunda-feira vai ser em português. A gente vai ter a sessão chamada McKinsey Talks, como reinventar sua forma de operar durante a pandemia. Entrevistadas são a Ana Karina Dias, presidente do banco BMG, com participação do Vicente Assis, que é sócio sênior da McKinsey no Brasil, líder de B2B para a América Latina. Mais uma vez, obrigada. Vejo vocês na segunda-feira. Até lá. <música>